Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. So glad that you're joining me today. And this is the wrap-up of Nothing is Impossible with God. We've talked all week about this, that nothing is impossible for God. We, we serve an unlimited, omnipotent God. So the summary is that things may be impossible for men, but pose no problem for God. Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. And we have that verse, that wonderful verse in Matthew chapter 19, 24 through 26. And says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Nothing is too difficult for him. Nothing. Obstacles that are insurmountable to us are easily overcome by our all-powerful God. We see in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They were terrorized. Because remember, the Egyptians had held them in bondage for 400 years. So as you try to break free from things that have held you captive, always remember with God, all things are possible. The hardest part is that we just don't always understand his timing, right? We don't understand the work he's doing in us and why many times it takes so long to overcome. So we remember these things, that God delivered Israel from the Egyptian army. He opened the Red Sea miraculously. He's, un- he's unlimited in what he can do. So no matter how frightening your personal Red Sea appears to you, remember that you serve an all-powerful God who loves you and is willing to intervene mightily on your behalf. Now, thankfully for us, it's not going to be 400 years, right? But sometimes it can feel like 400 years. So we want to remind ourselves that, that th- this thing that God can do, when he can divide the water, when he can open the eyes of the blind, he can raise Lazarus from the dead, right? We know that we have an, an unlimited, omnipotent God. And we need to really focus on who he is versus our circumstances, And that's one of the hardest things to do. See, we look at this in verse 21 and 22. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. All night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. And the waters were divided. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. Imagine that. This huge ocean, sea. He divides the waters, and not only does he divide the water, But he made the ground dry. See, Moses obeyed God. And God made it stand apart as two walls of water. He believed God for this. You know, I I don't know if I would have 
that level of faith. I, I want to I, I want to aspire to that. I, w- I want to think that if God told me, you know, raise your staff and I'm going to divide the, the Red Seas, I would. I, but this is a difficult thing. But we have to remind ourselves that nothing is too difficult for God. So when you're caught between an army and an ocean, remind yourself, with God, all things are possible. And it goes back to that trust issue. It's hard to trust. When we talked about that equation, about knowledge and truth plus evidence and history plus belief gives us faith. And that faith is that we're trusting who God is. We're trusting his heart. We're trusting the history that we have and the history that the earth, that from the, from the beginning of time, there is wonderful history with God. So Israel saw the Lord's great power on their behalf, and they put their trust in him. That's verse 31. See, it's this wonderful, uplifting process. When we believe the Lord, we hold fast to the certainty that with God nothing is impossible. Then we see him work. We see his great power on our behalf. And as a result, we are able to trust in him even more. So are you facing natural shortages, food, money, sickness, uh, a relationship, conflict? Your children are struggling. You have an elderly parent. You're struggling. You've made a mistake. This is where we trust him even more. And we talked about the fact that Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish. And he, he just said, what, what, what do we have here? They said, Two loaves, five fish. That's all they had. And Jesus multiplied it mightily. So think about when you're facing the fiery trial or persecution. Remember how God delivered the three young friends of Daniel from Babylon's fiery furnace. Can you imagine being Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, having that level of faith? that they were not going to back down. They were not going to deny the God of Israel. And they went into the fiery furnace not really knowing if they were going to be okay or not. That that wasn't the point for them. The point was their faith was in God, and they were not going to deny God. So remember, whatever the obstacle you're facing, nothing is impossible for God. He's this loving, wonderful Savior that we can trust. No matter what the circumstances in our lives are, and we've talked about this, one of the greatest compliments you can give God is trust. Think of how you feel when someone trusts you. Think of how you feel when you can trust someone. So this is a really powerful issue that really electrifies our faith, that we can trust the God who died for us. He laid his life down for us. We can trust him. Timing is a very difficult issue. I know I have a tendency to get weary or tired or want things to change immediately, or I I start to feel like, well, maybe this is just my lot. Maybe this is just the way God wants my life to be. 
And I have to remind myself to stop analyzing all of that. That I either trust him or I don't. And so whatever circumstances come into my life, he already has made provision for them. He knows where my life is going. He's already been to the end and back. He started with me, and he's already been to the end, and he's with me through the entire process. So nothing is impossible. So if you, if you can't find evidence in your own life, then look for evidence in, in others. Do you have friends that have been delivered from something? Or God has done a great miracle in their life? The Bible is full of, of miracles that are un, undeniable and unbelievable. So don't let the enemy talk you into believing that God will do it for everybody else, but he won't do it for you. Don't listen to the condemnation of the enemy that tells you, well, if you just got your act together, if you just stopped sinning, if you were a better person, God would, would act on your behalf. This isn't a performance issue. This isn't about earning it. This is about how much we need deliverance. The Israelites, you know, they weren't really necessarily the best people, right? But they belonged to God. So it wasn't about their performance. It wasn't about being worthy or deserving because of how they were acting or because of their faith. It was because God loved them. So think about this, this Hebrews. I, I love Hebrews uh, chapter 11. And this is faith in action is what it's called. So this is the entire chapter is about faith. And so verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So always remind yourselves that we don't see all the way down to the end of the, the journey. So many times, like we were talking before, if God wants me in Mexico City, then maybe he points me to Tucson. And maybe that's all the faith that I have, is that I can get down to Tucson. But God just wants us moving. So we have confidence in what we hope for an assurance about what we don't see. We just have to trust God's version of that. Because we can, we can imagine and envision what we are wanting or what we are needing. That's all the energy that God's need, God needs. He just needs us to have confidence in him and to be really seated in assurance that he's going to meet our needs. And he's even going to give me a lot of things that we want, Right? And it doesn't have anything to do with deserving. It has to do with our belief and our trust in him and the fact that we, we are, are claiming to be Christians, that we asked him to, to live in our heart, we gave our life to him. That's the assurance. That's the confidence. So verse 2 says, this is what the ancients were commended for. Verse 3 says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. 
So this is what the ancients were commended for. They had faith. They believed. This amazing thing that the universe was formed by God's command. And so what we now see was not made out of what was visible. God imagined it. He thought it. And his thoughts then are created. And so remind yourselves, we, you know, God has good thoughts toward us of kindness. So by faith we understand what it is that we need. And verse 4 says, By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith Abel speaks even though he is dead. So that story is still being told. It doesn't say necessarily, it doesn't say that Abel was a good guy. It doesn't say that he was without sin. It doesn't say he was performing well. It says, by faith, he brought a better offering than Cain. And his faith was commended as righteous. This is one of the most difficult things sometimes for me to comprehend is that God cares more about my faith and my trust than he does about my behavior. Now, that doesn't mean that I, I don't aspire to, to really have good you know, habits, good behaviors, and, and resist sin. But he kind of got over that when Adam and Eve fell. And he says it's by faith. By faith. So verse 5 says, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not have to experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. That's amazing to me. But Enoch had such great faith in God that God just came down and picked him up and took him home. Didn't even have to die didn't say anything about his behavior. So for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now this is really important. It says he was commended as one who pleased God. And the following verse, which is verse 6, says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is really important because one of the ways that the enemy causes us to sin even more is that we fall into condemnation. And the more pain we have, the more we'll have a tendency to sin. The more bound up we feel and, and don't experience the freedom that God has given us, our tendency to sin will increase. And so when he talks about Enoch, he's saying he was commended as one who pleased God because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, the world's way, what the enemy wants us to believe, is that that verse should read, he rewards those who don't sin. He rewards those that are perfect. He rewards those that are good. He, as if we could create our own righteousness. 
That's why this, this passage and this chapter is so important. That no matter how our behaviors are, if we don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. He wants our faith. He wants our trust. And when we have faith, when we trust, we, our tendency is going to be to sin less, not to sin more. And so verse 7 says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. By his faith he showed the entire world that he was the heir of righteousness because he was keeping with faith. So by faith, Noah was warned about things that, that he had never seen. He couldn't even comprehend of a worldwide flood. And in holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. And everyone thought he was crazy. That's the kind of faith that really pleases God is when we are willing to do things that don't make sense to people. When we are willing to trust God, that even if we're going to be seen as a fool or seen as, as weird or seen as crazy, that we're saying, but my faith is in God, not in humans. That doesn't mean that we don't trust humans, we don't believe in humans, absolutely. But our dependency always has to be with God because he will never let us down. So let's look at verse 8. And this says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Can you imagine having that kind of faith? I'm just going to start moving. I think this is where God wants me to go, but I don't even know where I'm going to land. So he was called to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance. This is when I was talking about that, that analogy of if God wants me to be in Mexico City, he shows me Tucson. And maybe I'm thinking Tucson would be an awesome place. And he's saying, no, I've got even bigger, bigger ideas for you, but you can't even comprehend them at this point. So I just need you to take the next right step. Just do the next right thing. Just keep moving. Because God can't steer a parked car, right? So just keep moving. So Abraham received an amazing inheritance because he obeyed and he went even though he didn't know where he was going. He just started walking. So, so verse 9 says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and, Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So by faith, he made his home in a promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be willing to, to be uncomfortable. 
so that he can really give us bigger and better things, more than we could ever hope for or imagine. So he made his home by faith in a promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. And this is what Isaac and Jacob did. They were heirs of the same promise. So let's look at verse 10. It says, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. I love that verse. He was looking forward to a city with foundations. That's what we want. We want strong foundations, and our faith is a strong foundation. And that allows God to be the architect and the builder of our life. We want God to be the architect and the builder because you, know, you and I know the things that we build, the designs that we have are only human. But God has ideas bigger than we could ever comprehend. He says, my ways aren't your ways, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. As high as the heavens are my thoughts from yours. And verse 11 says, and by faith... Even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she had faith. Now, this is really important, and this was very helpful to me. By faith, even Sarah was enabled to bear, a chil to chil bear children. Now, think about this. She's the one that was so mad that God had not given her a child that she went and got her handmaiden, to sleep with her husband and her handmaiden got pregnant and bore a child and then Sarah despised her and hated her. This is not good behavior. <laughs> it's so amazing to think that God didn't take away the gift and the dream and the promise simply because she messed up. So we also have this, this next verse. This is 11. By faith, Abraham, even though he was too old to have children, and Sarah herself was not able to conceive, was enabled to become a, a father because he considered him faithful who had made a promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. See, they were just wanting one kid amazing millions of descendants came from that. And verse 13 says, all these people who were still living by faith when they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers in the, on the earth. And verse 14 says, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Instead, they were longing for a better one, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. So I want you to really study this chapter. Every time you are not knowing what to believe or how to believe, you're feeling like your faith is lacking, you're tr not able to trust God, read what God has done. Make notes of what God has done in your life. Write down the history you have with him. Because he's a good God. 
and he will never fail us and he will never leave us. So join me next week as we talk about being a person of influence, making sure that we really are changing the world one person at a time. So God bless you. Have a wonderful day. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.